our second week in our Advent journey together as a church family. Uh, So if you weren't with us last week, um, Brandon took some time to just kind of unpack the idea of hope. Um, That that was the first first week we spent just looking at the hope uh, that we have in Christ, just that that deep hope uh, that we have and just walking with him in life, um, living for him in life and the hope that that brings. And this second week of Advent, um, if you've ever been a part of an Advent calendar before, following the Advent calendar, um, it is the week of love. Um, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. I'm super excited. Um, I think God just has a lot in store for us as we continue our journey in reading the Christmas story. Um, and my hope, my, my prayer this week has been that when we leave this place this morning, uh, that a somewhat maybe familiar story uh, to a lot of us um, would actually just burn in our hearts the love of Christ. May just in a fresh way, in a real way, and may our hearts just be refreshed, may they be renewed, may we be empowered in the love of Christ as we go into this Christmas season. And may we not just like go into this Christmas season maybe like we have before, but empowered by the love of Christ. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. And so Matthew chapter 1 is going to be our text. Matthew chapter 1. If you're using one of our Bibles, don't have a Bible, you can grab one off one of the tables around the room, page 675. If you don't own a Bible, take that. It's our gift to you. Um, But we're going to be Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. So we're just picking up right where we left off. So we're we're just going to continue this uh, story in Matthew. So we stopped at verse 17. We're going to pick up at verse 18 in the first chapter Um, So let's read that together uh, this morning. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So I don't know about you, but um, I, love, I love a good story. I think it's just kind of the way that we're wired. We, we love as human beings, we love a good story. Um, it's why we love a bo- good book. It's why we love going to a movie. How many of you are going to Star Wars next week? Star Wars next week? Yeah, exactly. Like you're captivated by a story, no matter how nerdy you might be, right, Nick? Uh, you're captivated um, just by a good story. We love to be like transported. We love to be compelled. Uh, we love to be like have these emotions drawn out of us by stories. I don't know if any of you have a friend that's just good at telling stories. I've got a good friend. Every time he starts to tell a story, I know, okay, by the end of the story, I'm either going to be laughing or I'm going to be crying, like one of the both or maybe both at the same time, because he just tells such good stories. And I love spending time around him because of the way 
that he tells stories, it's, it's just captivating. And I love this time of year. This time of year is so sweet, so it's so special. And because the reality of it is, uh, the greatest story, the greatest story ever told in human history is at the forefront of people's minds. See, for some of us, this is hard because we've heard this story a lot. But the reality is, the greatest story ever told in the history of anyone's life is told in this Christmas story. The, the, the life-changing, earth-shattering, history-changing story is at the forefront of people's minds. Even those who maybe don't even follow Jesus or give Jesus the light of day most of the time of the year. That's a pretty amazing thing. The greatest story ever told is at the forefront of people's minds. And that's what we're gonna look at this morning. And my hope is, my hope is that this story that we read this morning from the first part of Matthew will help us to just more fully understand, more fully grasp the love of God. The love of God for you, the love of God for me, the love of God for every single person that has ever walked the face of this earth. It's an amazing reality. And, and I realize this story for some, some of you, it's like you've heard it, you've read it a thousand times. And so what I actually wanna do is just start by praying that this story, the reality of God's love through Jesus would actually hit us afresh and anew. Things that we've maybe thought about before would actually impact our hearts on just a deep, deep level by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I just wanna pray this morning as we get started, as we jump into just unpacking this story. So Father, we just, um, we just come before you this morning just knowing that you are with us, just knowing that you are present, knowing that you are real and you are alive. I love that you created us, you wired us to, to be captivated by stories. As we live out your story in our lives, right now. And Father, I would ask, just by the power of your spirit in the name of Jesus, will your love through the story of Jesus just be um, deeply penetrating to our hearts? Maybe those that come in here distracted or worried or fearful or anxious, um, I just ask that you would remove, uh, just, just remove that worry or that fear or that distraction. Uh, Lord, if things kind of can be monotonous to us, Lord, I just ask that you remove the monotony of the Christmas story and help us to see the reality of your love through this story. Father, I just ask that you would come in power, that you would come in might, that you would come in just all of your mercy right now in this moment as we begin to just unpack this true, amazing story. Jesus, it is in your name we pray. It's in your name that we gather together. As a whole church, we say, amen. So if you had to sum up this story in, uh, in one word, if you had to boil this story down to just one word, that one word would be Emmanuel. Emmanuel. So if you leave today and you don't remember anything, but you remember Emmanuel, and what that means, you're gonna be walking out of here better. It's the song that we sing this time of year, O come, O come, Emmanuel. It's the name that's given to Jesus when the birth story's told, both here in Matthew and in Luke. And as you read, we, we know what it means. 
It means God with us. God with us. Emmanuel. And that's really where I want us to focus our attention. There is so much in here. There is so much that we could unpack and look at and dissect and and really come to understand. But what I really want us to focus in on this morning is this idea of Emmanuel, a God that is with us. And in order to understand this Emmanuel Jesus, I want us to examine both the divine nature and the human nature of Jesus. Both Jesus' divine nature that he is fully God, but human nature as well, that he came into this world as a baby, fully human. And I think in order to understand the depths, the realities of the Christmas story, we have to understand both and we have to hold both equally. And so what I want us to do is look at Jesus's divine nature first. So if you're taking notes, write down divine nature, the reality that Jesus Christ is God. This name, Emmanuel, just in and of itself, it tells us that this is true. And so what Matthew does here in this passage is he's actually quoting from Isaiah 7. He's actually quoting from the prophet Isaiah when he says, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. So for centuries, Jewish religious leaders, Jewish scholars, They saw this as prophecy, Isaiah 7, when it says the virgin will give birth to a son. They saw it as prophecy. They acknowledged it as prophecy. But what they were thinking was, hey, this is actually going to be a a human leader who would come and help Israel. They kind of thought, figuratively speaking, through a great human leader, God would be with us. That was kind of what, what, what they were thinking would happen. And Matthew In stark contrast, he's saying, no, wait a second. It's literally true. Jesus Christ is God with us. Because there is no human being who created the pregnancy that brought about the life in the womb of Mary. It was God himself. It was literally God. Stand back for a second and just think about that. Think, think about that reality. Matthew says, okay, Jesus Christ is God. John, the apostle and another gospel writer, he says, in the beginning was the word. He's talking about Jesus here. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. When he says word, he's talking about Jesus here. He said, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. And then Paul goes on in Colossians 2. He says, the fullness of God dwells in Jesus's body. He doesn't say a part of it. He doesn't say half of it. He says, no, the fullness of God dwells in the body of Jesus. And then the apostle Peter, he begins his letter later on. He says, according to the righteousness of our God of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. All through the Gospels, Jesus is constantly forgiving sins. Go back and read the Gospel. He's constantly forgiving sins, something that only God can do. And he's saying, he's saying, hey, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna judge the earth, something only God can do. 
At one point, Jesus actually says, he says, before Abraham was, Jesus, he says, I am. And this is significant because this was a divine name that God used for himself, I am. And over and over again, Jesus, he says, hey, I am God. And hundreds, thousands of Jewish people came to know Christ as God and to worship him as God. And if you've ever heard the term incarnation or God incarnate, this, this is what that is talking about. And this is what makes Christianity actually different from a lot of other world religions, all the other world religions. And so you, you look at other religions and typically what it looks like is there's a prophet or a wise person or a sage that says, hey, here's the way to God. Here's how you find God. Here's all the things that you have to do in order to get to God. And what makes Christianity so different is Jesus Christ, by his life, by his claims, by his resurrection, shows us he was not just a prophet that was coming to point us to God. He was God himself coming to find us. There's important and distinct difference there. God himself coming to find us, coming to rescue us, coming to save us. And there's a lot of implications of this reality. The God of the universe drawing near, coming close to us. But I want us to focus upon the love, the love that this displays. Because Christmas means, Christmas means that God has arrived. He has not abandoned us. He has come back. And he did not come back. He did not come back with a sword in his hand. You know, he didn't come back ready to just strike us all down, mow us all down because of our sin. No, he actually came back. He actually came back to be put on a cross and have nails put in his hands. And so Christmas the fact that Jesus Christ is God himself means that God has not abandoned us. It means that God has come for us. But Jesus, he's not just divine. He's also human. And so we've kind of looked at the just divine nature of Jesus. But it's also important for us to grasp his human nature that he took on. In order for us to grasp the full just love of God, meditate upon the love of God, we have to understand he is fully human as well. And so let's meditate upon Christ's love through his, through his human nature, which I think just naturally is maybe a little bit easy for, for us to understand because we're human. <laughs> you know, we, we know what it's like to be human. We know what it's like to, to encounter trouble to endure just the, the hardship uh, that this, this world so often brings about. So on one hand, it's kind of easy for us to understand. Like we can relate on that level. But on the other hand, this is like really hard for us to grasp. Kind of really hard for me to grasp this week as I was thinking about the reality of this story and what this story means. That a God who is experiencing bliss a God who is experiencing perfection, like perfect glory up in the heavens, that he would want to leave 
to feel, to understand, to be in the midst of all of our brokenness, to want to experience everything that we're experiencing, it does not make a whole lot of sense. And I was just thinking this week, okay, what like helps us make sense? Like, how is this even possible? How can I even in my mind begin to understand why God would do this? And then the only explanation is a supernatural, unhuman-like love for us that we won't even fully understand this side of earth. That is the only thing, that is the only thing that convinced God himself to come to earth in the midst of our mess, to experience the brokenness that we experience ourselves. And not just any kind of love, perfect love. Perfect love is the only kind of love that would bring someone to this kind of sacrificial decision. I don't know about you, but I'm not living out that perfect love. It is only the perfect love of God that could bring someone to such a sacrificial decision. And do you see just the consoling nature of God in this? I want want us to look at just the consoling love of God in, in this human picture of Jesus. Because if you've ever suffered, if you've ever suffered, if you've ever been through a really difficult circumstance, I'm gonna bet that you felt lonely. I've been there. There, There's something about experiencing just um, difficulty that kind of makes you feel uh, alone and isolated. You know, when you're feeling happy, when when you're feeling great about life, it's, it's not hard to like feel a part of a community it's not hard to feel like, oh, okay, yeah, I've, I've got things together. I've, I've got friends. I have community. But something happens when you go through something really difficult, when you go through a difficult circumstance, when you face hardship, you feel alone, you feel isolated. And then people kind of try and console you, and there's something that happens, you know, you just don't really want to hear it people who have not experienced what you've experienced, people who have not been through what you have been through, you just don't really wanna hear their consolation. But then you maybe encounter someone who has experienced the exact same thing. Maybe someone who has lived through the same horror that you have lived through. Someone who's experienced the exact same circumstance that you find yourself in. And there's this thing that happens, your heart opens up. You have this ability to trust them and you find yourself kind of pouring your heart out to them as they kind of pour their heart out to you. And there's this thing that happens, this deep, deep level of trust when you find someone who's experienced what you have experienced. And I think it says a lot about our God. I think it says a lot about our God for him to come into the world as he did. You know, he came not just as a human being, but he comes as a human being born in a manger, a human being who knew poverty, a human being who knew suffering, a human being who knew betrayal, a human being who knew pain, even to the point of death. 
when you contemplate the meaning of Christmas, it means that God became flesh, that he became vulnerable. He became someone who suffered. But it does not immediately give you comfort in the reason for your suffering. It doesn't tell you, you know, why you've experienced the suffering that you have or are experiencing. But what Christmas does show you, and what I wanna kind of share with you this morning, is what that suffering isn't. Why, in particular, you aren't experiencing that suffering. It is not because God doesn't love you. It is not because God doesn't care. It is not that God is so remote and indifferent and up there. Because in the incarnation, in Jesus, he came down and he threw himself in the midst of humanity. He is God with us. So he understands. You can go to him, you can trust him, you can trust the things that he is saying. And this is just the unbelievable, almost unfathomable, just consoling love of God. And I also want us to look at his love on display through humility. I mean, think about the humility that we're seeing in this picture of Jesus. When God, he came to earth in Jesus Christ, he did not empty himself of his deity, but he did empty himself of his glory. And there's a difference there. So when Jesus was walking around, he was still God. He was God walking around. But it wasn't as though you were seeing Jesus like he was in heaven, full of glory. And so it wasn't like you saw Jesus walking down the road and you're like, all right, got to get my sunglasses out because God's coming this way. I'm going to be blinded. No, in fact, Isaiah 53 tells us, it says he was a pretty ordinary looking person. God chose to be somewhat ordinary. The humility on display in this picture of Christ. So he didn't empty himself of his divine nature, but he did kind of empty himself of, of his glamour. And this, I think, says a lot about what we as followers of Jesus are, are to yearn for, what we as followers of Jesus are called to exemplify. So Christ, as he took on human flesh, is showing us what it looks like to live lives of love, to live lives of humility. Our lives, we're not called to just spend time climbing the social ladder, spend time trying to look more sleek and more beautiful and more important to the people around us. No, that's not, that's not the example that Christ gives us. Something I read this week, a theologian named J.J. Parker, um, he put it in a way that just like, one of those things you read and it's like, oh, that, that like hurt to kind of read a little bit. And so I wanna read kind of what he says about this this morning. He says, the incarnation means God laying aside his glory an acceptance of hardship, isolation, ill treatment, malice, and misunderstanding, and finally death. So the Christmas spirit means reproducing in human lives the temper of him 
who for our sakes became poor. It does not shine out in the snob or person who aspires to higher social standing. The Christmas spirit is rather that of those who, like their master, live their lives on the principle of making themselves poor, spending and being spent, to do good to others and not just their own good friends. In other words, the fact that God and his great love came for us, became human, emptied himself of his glamour, shows us a little bit about our calling to love the people around us. We're not supposed to look for the people that are easy to love, the people we find attractive, the people that look like us, the people that think like us. But on the contrary, we need to be willing to go to the people without power, without beauty, without money, without fame, without riches. This is the example that Christ gives to us of what love looks like on display to those around us. That is the deep, deep kind of love that Jesus has modeled for us. But he didn't just come for us. And this is kind of where, this is where we're gonna end our time. He didn't just come for us, he came to be with us. And this is important to understand in the context of everything else that we have looked at. He didn't just come for us, but he came to be with us. Emmanuel, right? God with us. And this word with, it actually says a whole lot. This word with um, shows us a lot about who, who God is. To say that Jesus is God with us goes beyond just saying that he came to earth to die for our sins. God with us means he desires relationship. And so this word with, this word with is this word for relationship here. And this is important to understand going into the Christmas season. So actually in uh, the book of Mark, when Jesus is calling his 12 apostles. He's, you know, he's calling his 12 apostles. He's appointing them and he appoints him and he says that they would be with him. This is the language that Jesus uses. He says that they would be with him, with him. It doesn't really give a description beyond that. That's, that's kind of all it says, that they would be with him. And I was just thinking like, what, what does that mean? That they would be with Jesus, well, it means that they would be living with him. It means that they would be in relationship with him. It means that life, all aspects of it, would be with him. And it's interesting, when you go back in scripture and you look at uh, just God's presence, before Jesus arrived on the scene, when God's presence would touch down, you go back, look at the Old Testament. It was terrifying. It was a very scary thing for God's presence to come about. Uh, you look at Abraham. This is like smoking, fiery furnace. You just know there's like heat coming off of it when the presence of God interacts with Abraham. You look at Moses or the Israelite people. It's a pillar of fire. The presence of God in a pillar of fire.
when he entered the temple, when God entered the temple, the glory cloud, it filled it so much so that people could not go in. They, they couldn't actually be in the presence of God because how overwhelming it was. So majestic. And every time that God would show up, it, it was somewhat terrifying. So it's, it's one thing to experience God. It's one thing to experience God. It's another thing to be with him. It's one thing to experience God, but it's another thing to, to meet him personally. It's one thing to know God personally. And, and why do you think that when God showed up through Jesus Christ, he didn't show up in the form of fire, but he showed up in the form of a baby. There's, there's nothing like holding a baby. I've found that out the last three months, holding my little son, um, Isaiah. And there is nothing so vulnerable and sweet than a little baby. I also have nieces and nephews have grown up, up a little bit. They're like five and six years old. And uh, there's, when they get a little bit older, they kind of have their own agenda, kind of want to do their own thing. They used to let me hold them and snuggle them. And now they're like upset because I didn't give them fruit snacks. And so they won't let me hug them anymore. Uh, but, but little babies, the, the most intimate, the most familiar form of human existence you know, you pick them up and they're always there. You can pick them up anytime you want to. Hug them, kiss them, snuggle them. They're completely accessible, completely vulnerable. Why would God this time come in the form of a baby? Last time I was a pillar of fire. You know, it was a burning bush. Because this time in human form, in the form of a baby, Jesus Christ was coming to die. Jesus Christ was coming to fully remove the barrier between us and God. He was coming to fully remove anything that stood in the way of us and relationship with God himself. Now this isn't just God. This is a God with us. This is Emmanuel. And this is the story of the Christmas season. And this is the story that we get to choose to walk in. That we not only have a God that is for us, but a God that loves us so much that he chooses to be with us. And that's the story that we get to live out and we get to tell this Christmas season. A season about hope, a season about love, a season about peace. And it's this morning that I encourage us as we get ready to head to communion to think about what this means in your life. To look at this word, Emmanuel, and think about where you have seen God 
with you. Where it is you need God with you. And who it is that you're going to tell this Christmas story to. That there is a God that loves us so much that he's willing to come as close as he possibly can. This is the story of the the Christmas season that we get to share and we get to live. Let's pray together. Father, we we just thank you for the joy. We just thank you for the, the hope and the love that this story means for us. God, that you, you would that you would come, that you would draw near. Uh, that you would let go of your glory so that we could share in your glory forever is beyond my understanding. Father, what deep, deep love you have for us. Jesus, we just acknowledge that uh, you, you are uh, the reason for our existence. You are the reason for our hope. You are the reason that we even have the ability to love those around us. And I would just ask, by the power of your spirit, uh, in your name, uh, that we would begin to understand the reality of your love uh, through this Christmas story. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying. Thank you for raising again and giving us the hope that we all cling to. It is, uh, it is a joy to think that one day we'll, we will be united with you fully. Uh, can't wait for that day. Uh, we all can't wait for that day. Uh, will you give us just the spirit of love this season that you so perfectly embodied when you came to this earth in the form of a baby? Father, thank you. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.